Hey, all you rad dads out there. Hey, what's up, everybody? Rad Dad Brett here with another episode of the Rad Dads Show. Jason Hamill is the drummer for indie rock band Mates of State, who have long had family at the center of their world. First, Mates of State is a duo, the other half being Jason's wife, Corey. They've released seven full-length albums, including one of my all-time favorites, Rearrange Us, and a bunch of EPs, and they even wrote a soundtrack for a movie, which they actually starred in. And secondly, for years, the band has toured with their kids in tow. Now that a couple of his kids are older, taking them on tour, and more specifically, uprooting them from school and family, has become a bit more challenging. And Jason has, at the same time, taken on new artistic pursuits in producing, marketing, and branding in film, TV, music, and more. And actually, there's a Mates of State connection on how Jason ended up going down that career path, too. But that's not to imply that Mates of State are over. Despite the fact that their last release, the You're Going to Make It EP, came out over five years ago, Jason discussed how, after many years of feeling the pressure to continuously tour and put out albums, that pressure has subsided, and Mates of State are feeling a renewed sense of creative freedom. It was really great hearing Jason's perspectives on parenting, and he had some excellent advice for dads out there. I think you'll really enjoy this one. I know I did. So without further delay, here's Jason Hamill from Mates of State on the Rad Dad Show. Why don't I start by, first of all, saying thank you uh, for being here. And who are you? Who am I? (laughs) I ask myself that every day. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I guess in relation, like for purposes of this podcast, my name is Jason Hamill and I... uh, have been a longtime musician in a band called Mates of State. And uh, it's in a group with my wife. And, uh, you know, we started dating in college and started playing music together, eventually got married and uh, started releasing albums and touring um, for the better course of probably 12 to 15 years or something. And we had got married, had kids and brought our kids along on, uh, on tour. So I think that's how it relates to this Rad Dads podcast. <laughs> right. So, but you do some other stuff now. So what, what are you up to these days, Jason? Um, now I'm more in the film world. Um, I kind of, you know, once we, you know, we didn't, we used to tour like six to nine months out of a year for a decade. And as our older kids got a little older and had more like roots in school and with their activities, we sort of pared that down a little bit. Um, and so I was like, huh, how can I transition sort of what I love to do that's related to music into another sort of uh, industry? Um, so it sort of stemmed from me making our music videos. You know, I would, when we first started, I would, you know, be the ones that would like write the treatments or, or produce the videos or, or hire the directors or hire the teams or get my friends to do that stuff. So just sort of spearheaded the making of those music videos and realizing that I really started or that I enjoyed being on set. And then also like creating with, uh, with collaborating with film people, you know, writers and directors and DPs and that sort of thing. Um, so I slowly kind of started to reach out to, some contacts I had in the film world and started to get, you know, popped in and got in on as like, you know, even as like an assistant on some film sets for TV. Um, Mates of State actually made a, made a film, a feature film. Um, and that really kind of, I learned a lot on that. We were, we were like the main actors, but we were also producers and wrote the music for it. So we were, 
that consumed a better part of like six months for us where I really got to learn like how that process and film works. Um, so since then, I've just sort of parlayed that into um, I've worked, uh, I continue to work on TV stuff. I've worked on some commercial stuff, advertising, um, as well as my own like artistic and, and pet projects too in the film world. So that's kind of what I'm, I'm doing currently. Right. So it's kind of been that smooth transition. So I'm kind of curious, you said when you guys were involved in um, making your music videos for your band, that was kind of kind of sparked that interest for you. So I, I recall when I when I first got into your band, it was kind of, you know, late in your career, I'll admit, um, when uh, Rearrange Us came out, um, kind of big into the Barsook bands of the time and, you know, heard about your album. And I remember really vividly um, seeing your video for My Only Offer and just being mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, this is amazing. It's a great video. So I, I'm curious, did you have like something to do with those videos as well? Yeah, that was um, that was definitely a big turning point as far as like us making videos too. I'm trying to think. Well, no, we started with some of our earlier. I guess even from our first album, we made a music video back in like 2000. Well, that was um, kind of the thing to do around that that time. Yeah, right? yeah, and it was like we had a friend who, who was like, "I'll make a video for you," and we're like, "Let's do it." You know, we just kind of like put a piece it together, but with rearrange us that's where we first started to have some like work with like real directors and real writers and real sort of producers on videos and uh, it was a really fun time and my only offer was one of those cases um and we worked with like this great director and they they had like production designers and art designers and everything and we went into this this um fashion designer boutique store in in brooklyn and that's where we shot it and i remember Corey. Our first kid was born too, so it really sort of relates. No, it was our second one. Actually, it was June. It's two thousand eight, um, and Corey had just given birth like a month or two ago. So she was still like nursing. So she was. We in the video we get into these like um, glass cages, basically plastic cages with our instruments, and then it's like all these balls are are being it's like dumped. Ball inside. pit balls, kind of. Ball, yeah, they're yeah. being are filling up and like burying us as the song goes on. Um, but because we were in these, um, not glass, but like plastic cages the whole day while they they were filming up, Corey was like nursing our baby. So the baby would have to be handed in through the top, No way. cover like the glass wall. So Corey (laughs) could nurse and then she'd hand the baby back. Um, that's hilarious. But yeah, that was that album. And we made a a really great video for get better with my friend, um, Steve Chu. And that was like. I think to date, maybe our highest budget video. And he really, he really wrangled that one. Um, had this guy, uh, Dan Garcia, Daniel Garcia, who, who directed it. Um, and that everything they, they did, they made the, these masks, those animal masks. Yeah. They, they had uh, choreographed dancers and the whole nine. Um, um, so that, yeah, those, those making some of those videos during that era was a big turning point for me. And, and, and me being able to see at like what level, how, you know, how would, involved like making film could be and then relating it to the music and, and tying it back to like the the album is is was really the collaborative fun part for me too yeah cool um yeah it's neat to kind of hear how that experience kind of you know turned into a, kind of a new career path for you uh down the yeah. road yeah i would have never guessed it at the time i just know that i really enjoyed learning how to how the sort of how the pudding is made you know right <laughs> it was really fun 
Right. So, so you um, have mentioned um, you, you guys have three kids. So quite notoriously, I remember around the time uh, rearrange us came out. Um, I think Corey was like writing a blog about uh, it's like band on the diaper run or something like that. Right. Yeah, exactly. um, and I remember lots of kind of coverage about your, your guys's band um, and how you brought the kids on tour. Um, and that was, it was kind of like a family band thing. Um, mm-hmm. Now you guys have, at that time, I think you had two, you, you just mentioned, right? So um, you said June, and what's your oldest daughter's name? So Magnolia is 16 now. Okay. Um, June is will be 13, and then we have a three-year-old. So 10 years later, we had wow. another. <laughs> and so you're just thrust back into it, hey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's been great. It's been, like, such an awesome, like, new dynamic to the family. You know, it's like seeing, like the older two now be like older, especially like the June, the middle kid was like the baby before. And now she's like a big sister. Right. Um, and just adding sort of levity, you know, like a new levity to all situations. Cause there's like a little one running around. So it's been yeah. really, it's been really fun. Speaking of levity, I think I saw on your guys's Instagram account. It must've been, what's your youngest name? Uh, Phoebe. Phoebe. It must've been her birthday party. Yeah. And Corey was, blowing out the can, helping her blow out the candles and spit on the cupcakes. Yeah. This, just, this was just like what last week or two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, you know, the three-year-old is like starting to understand the concept of blowing out the candles and just yeah. like getting it all, but not quite doing it and spitting like COVID all over the cupcakes, <laughs> like trying to like keep her from getting burned. And then, and, and like helping her blow out the candles and just like spraying even more all yeah. over the cupcakes. Yeah, I mean, it was just like a perfect, um, you know, image for a parent. Like this is the kind of stuff that you're dealing with all the time. So I thought that was really hilarious. And she, the whole time she's like, you better get this on video, you know? And I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying. I was just like steady. And all of a sudden I was just like, I just got this like loogie shooting across (laughs) the screen. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty funny. That's amazing. So yeah. Nobody ate those cupcakes except Phoebe. Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just like, yeah, no, we're good. <laughs> I didn't touch him. <laughs> That's so funny. I, I remember um, with, cause I've got two young daughters as well. Um, and f- for most of their birthdays, like, you know, you put the cake in front of them and they're blowing out the candles and you can see the spit and you're just like, Oh man, like I feel so bad offering this to anybody else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just not a good idea. Yeah. It was pretty funny. Yeah. So, so you've got three kids, one, you know, 10 years younger than the other two kids so kind of a new dynamic in your household what's that kind of transition been like has has it been has it been easy for you guys like it's like riding a bike having a a baby a toddler around yeah as far as like the parenting stuff yeah that's just like riding a bike it comes back to you you think like oh do I even remember how to do that but you don't even think about it you're just like oh yeah changing diapers and feeding them and making Mm -hmm. sure you get like routines and that sort of thing uh, the one thing uh, that's probably obvious that you're just like, uh, this part sucks is the lack of sleep, mm-hmm. you know, like that first, the first year, depending on how good a sleeper the, the baby ends up being. But I mean, Corey, uh, Phoebe didn't really sleep through the night for an entire year. And because Corey was nursing, she kind of took the brunt of that. Yeah. So literally like for the entire year, she didn't get a full night's sleep. And that, what that does to your, your psyche, you're like, you psychologically is not healthy, you know, yeah. physically and psychologically. Um, so I remember like, af- like after the 
year marker Corey's just like i need to sleep so she would literally just like go downstairs in the spare bedroom and like sleep you know like i need to get full night sleep and that made a big difference so you know long story short it's like that the lack of sleep thing is never easy um but otherwise you know it's been really great um it's weird this last it's hard to say because like the last year has been overtaken by like quarantining um right in in like phoebe doesn't really care about that in in so much that you know she just plays and does what she does and we try to get out with with cousins and that sort of thing and she's actually in preschool now but she the one thing that is sort of been detrimental and that the older two got to do all the time is see their grandparents and their other families because we were always traveling and sometimes we would even bring like Corey's mom would come and be the nanny while the kids were little so they had she had like really the kids had a really close relationship with their grandparents and then my family's all in Minnesota. So we would go and see them like three times a year just because we were always on tour and and we'd stop in and stay with them for a few days and they would come out. So we saw them a lot. And then, so Phoebe, uh, because of this hasn't, doesn't know her grandparents really at all. And that's a big difference from the first two, you know, and we're, we're like pretty tight family in that way, even with our extended family in that way. So I think that's been the biggest, um, sort of, bummer yeah about 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 that but everything else has been good you know we get to we get to hang out a lot yeah that's you know and talking to people over the past nine months that's the one silver lining people are kind of identifying right you kind of have to find those silver linings but that you kind of as a as a family you get a bit more time together you know in a lot of cases parents are working from home kids are maybe home you know, for school or, or whatever, or not in daycare. And so, so you're kind of forced into that situation. And that's been something that, yeah, other parents have kind of talked about being, yeah, silver lining, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so you've got um, three kids, you kind of talked a little bit about that change in dynamics. Are, are you seeing sort of the older kids um, taking on a bit of that maternal role a little bit or being interested in that I I guess I see that a little bit with my so I've got a five-year-old and then a two-year-old my five-year-old is so funny like kind of likes to mimic um the way we (laughs) parent right she'll kind of say oh that's so cute Nora and you know she's like kind of trying to be the mom um I I mean it wouldn't be kind of pretending for your older kids but do they do they kind of like having that you know younger child around yeah, to, to you know, in certain instances, I would say it's very episodic <laughs> because because of their ages. You know, like the oldest one just got her driver's license. Okay, and and because she's you know mostly doing school remotely, when she does have a chance uh, to do stuff for herself, she wants to do stuff with her friends. So it's right. not like she's like begging to babysit. You know, um, same with. Um, and then sort of like June, it was cool to see her going from, um, being the older sister or the younger sister to being like a bigger sister now. And she would, you know, she's 10 years older, but she would be like teasing Phoebe. And I'd be like, you're teasing a baby. And I was like, well, that's what bigger sisters do. They tease their younger sisters, you know, regardless of the age. I think it's just like a natural instinct of almost like a, well, that's how you, you know, teach the younger ones things is you got to like tease them into it, you know? Um, and that, I, I thought that was kind of funny um, in a way, but she's also like very um, protective of her too. You know, yeah. like you can see, like, she's like, oh, you, they're, they're aware of like, oh, she's near the stairs or whatever. So 
I think that instinct stuff and that that's cool to see. And I think that's been really good for both girls to have that experience now too. Yeah. Cool. Like think of somebody else and see like a, a younger person and what you have to do to help them sort of, you know, protect them all the time because otherwise they'll just like jump off a cliff. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so Jason, this is the rad dad show. So do you consider yourself a rad dad? A rad dad. I, yeah, I try to be. I yeah. try to be a rad dad. Um, so what does that mean to you? What's a rad dad? I think being a rad dad is uh, being really open with your kids, I think. A, I think you got to spend time with them. You know, I, I, that's one thing that my dad did. So I, I was lucky in that I had a really good role model. And I think that's that's key. And I always knew like, I wanted to be, when I did have kids, I wanted to be a good dad and I wanted to be available to them. So, and I enjoy hanging out with my kids. I want to do stuff with them. I want to teach them things. I want them to teach me things. Um, and so I think that's what being rad is, is just like spending time with the kids and then being open with them too. And like leaving everything sort of, uh, transparent and on the table and you can, you know, like they're going to mess up. They're going to do things that you disappoint you, but that's, that's, completely natural and like it seems like they're they're messing up at this age a lot less than I did so I'll be like oh keep messing yeah keep messing up to that degree because you, you got a long ways to go before I can really like uh get after you for it <laughs> so what do your kids think about what you do like your kids your older kids at least have been a big part of that it sounds like what do they think about your your career and I guess their parents being you know well-known musicians I know that, um, you know, they were up until about age eight or nine. They were a lot of time on the road, spent a lot of, maybe 10 for Maggie, spent a lot of time on, on the road traveling. And I know that they really liked that, you know, and I, I know they like spending time on the tour bus and seeing all these different places and, you know, traveling abroad and that sort of thing. And I think they missed that. I remember when, when we first started slowing down touring, they're like, we want to go on tour again, you know, and we're like, well, we do too, but the circumstances just aren't right for it right now um and then i i think they think it's cool i think it's good for them to like you know i don't i don't think they like listen to our music at this point in their lives very much or would have will admit that they do or even know like are like deep fans of it you know know like our deep catalog and i i i'm only guessing that at some point they probably will go back and be like oh what exactly did my parents do or stumble upon it and discover like the, right. the depth of music that we made, you know, or, or, and continue to make. But, um, I think they think it's cool. Um, you know, we, we play a lot of music around the house and they sing and, and we talk about music all the time and they show me cool music and I show them cool music. So, um, it's definitely a, a big bond for us still. And I think it is for most people. Music is, just touches everybody, you know? Cool. So you, you kind of, um, touched on, uh, your relationship with your dad earlier. So can you tell me a bit more about what that was like? You kind of, you know, implied that that kind of affected the way you approached being a parent. So can you, yeah, kind of explore that a little bit more for me? Yeah. My dad, Steve Hamill, he, um, he's a good guy. He, they, um, my parents actually got divorced when I was like in second grade. And even then I knew 
that my dad really cared about us. They had four kids already. So they were, by the time they were like 26, they got, had four kids. Wow. So they, they got, they jumped in in a hurry, you know, <laughs> and, and then they got divorced uh, a, a few years after that. So, but my dad immediately, uh, I remember him, like when they got divorced, he brought all four of us kids in and we were sitting on like my bottom bunk bed or whatever. And he told yeah. us, he told us like, you know, I'm moving out. Your mom and I are getting divorced. And we're all just like, what, what does that even mean? You know, like at yeah. that age, it was like, what do you mean you're leaving? We, you live here. Like, where else would you live? You know? And I remember it being like a huge blow to us. And my dad actually like crying in tears. And I was just like, Oh, he's even crying. I'd never seen my dad cry before. I was like, that must be a big thing for him, you know, especially mm-hmm. now when I look back on it. And now that I know it was a big thing for him, because I think he, the, his biggest, you know, probably internal rub was he was like, ah, this isn't good for my kids. And I really uh, want to be a good dad. So, you know, fast forward as things progressed, he moved uh, into the same town. He stayed in the same town. You know, he, he had, he paid like child support religiously he got us on his weekends you know every other weekend or whatever it was like decided and and we did things when when we were at his house you know he spent time with us we would go play baseball and go to the movies go to the parks like he, he spent like real time with us you know and as we got older that that didn't change and eventually you know we ended up you know some of us started we actually moved in with my dad um but they always lived in the same town my dad you know like is very involved, you know? And I think that's where I got the, like, you just have to be involved. Like that's, that's really, you know, you only get your kids for a short, I think I read the statistic though, that like from uh, the time that your kids move out of the house at 18, you'll have spent 90% of the time with them that you ever get. Wow. So yeah, that's like a crazy stat when you think about it. So it's like, yeah. And you're like, I will only see my kid kid 10% more of the time that I ever get, you know? Yeah. So, um, and I think I, I don't, my, obviously my dad w- didn't have that stat on his mind. He just wanted to, uh, uh, be with us, you know? Yeah. And, and so now I, but I keep that stat on my mind because I'm like, yeah, whenever you like every day you're tired, whatever, but they want you to help them paint their bedroom or whatever. Yeah, let's do it right now. You know, like, because pretty soon she's going to be 16. She's going to have her license and that time is dwindling. And then she goes off to college and you got 10% left, you know? Yeah. So, uh, and then the other thing, I'm kind of just rambling, but the other thing is, is um, honesty. You know, I think just like, don't judge them for like mistakes and that sort of thing. Just let them make it and then discuss them, you know, like why, why did you make that decision? What, what were you thinking? Blah, blah, blah. And then let them figure out like, yeah, maybe that wasn't a good decision, but let them figure it out rather than being like, I told you never blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like that they have to learn. And the only way to do that is to allow them to like transparently fail. And then just, yeah. and then like course correcting, you know? Well, well, you mentioned earlier, kind of when you're talking about traits of a rad dad, you'd mentioned that openness, right? And it sounds like you're, you know, your experience with your dad when he sat you guys down, told you, you know, what was happening with the divorce, that that was a really poignant moment for you, right? And maybe that's yeah. kind of part of that same thing, that openness of just, this is what's happening, doesn't change how much I care about you, right? And, mm-hmm. and it is funny, like, as you go along, you kind of start to realize, I, I kind of know, even just from my experience as a, as a kid and kind of growing up, like, you, you start to realize your parents aren't just these 
beings that float around to serve, you know, serve your needs. There are actual people who struggle and have problems and challenges and, you know, they screw up too. And so, you know, I guess that maybe that is something that it's, it's good to be open with your kids about as they're growing up that I'm a human too. And yeah, they might see you cry or, or fail or be upset or whatever. And that's normal. Yeah, it's funny when you first realize that they're human and not superhuman too. You're just like, oh, that's a flaw in them that I don't like that, but mm-hmm. it's it's still them, you know. It's still my dad or whatever. And you're like, he, I I could. I wonder if I could get him to break that habit or or to see this differently because he is human rather than superhuman, you know. But I've also had those instances where like your dad, I can't think of one now, but where you actually will like have a discussion about your dad and you'll see him apply it to his life. And you're like, Oh, like we had an adult like conversation that actually he incorporated into his life, you know, rather than him just being like the Superman being like, here's how things go and here's what you need to do. Yeah. So uh, I always thought that was pretty cool. And I was like, Oh, he actually values my opinion and is like, tries things out if we like have a discussion about it, you know? Yeah. I, the other thing you mentioned that I thought was kind of interesting was that that statistic Um, because a lot of, a lot of people we talked to on the show, like that's obviously a big focus. People kind of, you know, identify that that's a really big part of being a good dad um, in their definition is that, you know, kind of being involved, just paying attention and, you know, being present because Mm -hmm. you might not have a whole lot of time for that later. And I, I was kind of thinking about how, I remember when I moved off to university, uh, my parents were in Medicine Hat. I had moved up to Edmonton. And I, I think it was like a, a week had gone by and I hadn't called my mom. And she phoned me one day and I, you know, hello. And she was just bawling on the phone. And it was like, I'd, it had only been a week since I talked to her last. But for her, it, it was this huge, you know, kind of culture shock of not having your kid around. Yeah. Right. And, and so I, I, I know that moment is really stuck with me as well. And you, you do kind of have to remind yourself that as you know, your kids are, are growing up and you're busy with things and they, you know, dad, come help me with this or come do this. And mm-hmm. like, Oh, but I just, you know, I just got this text. I need to just respond to this or oh, I'm working on <laughs> this or that. You yeah. kind of have to check yourself a little bit with that. Yeah. All they want, man, is you to call them for five, 10 minutes. It's all they want, yeah. you know, that'll make yeah. their week. Same with like my grandparents, you know, like my grand, my grandfather's still alive. And I'm just like, just call him, like try to call him once a week and just be like, yo, what's up for five minutes. It doesn't yeah. even need to be a long, huge commitment, you know, and it'll make their week. Yeah. And then you think later, yeah, when your kids leave the house, you're like, I hope they call me at least, you know, once in a while. Or text, text me is fine too. Just text me like, yeah. what's up, you know? Well, you're probably seeing some of that with, like, you've got teenagers now and a daughter who's just got her driver's license. Like, yeah. where is she? Like, why hasn't she called me? What, what's going on, right? I'm sure that's yeah. something you're going through too. Yeah, you have to establish that too. It's like, you just, just text me, let me know what's up, you know? Doesn't, it doesn't have to be a commitment, but we need to know what's going on. Yeah, I don't know how much my parents would have paid for Find My Friends back when I was a teenager. <laughs> yeah, yeah, different era. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm going to take you back a few years um, to when your first daughter was born. So did you have any fears about becoming a dad? Um, fears? I think um, initially... I mean, I knew I always wanted to have kids and Corey and I, I always, I w- and I always saw eye to eye on that. We knew we'd have kids together. 
Um, I think the one fear we had um, would that it would be, especially when we were building our career in music at the time, I think we thought it would derail that. Um, and, and, and so I think we were super sort of hyper aware of and making sure that it didn't, you know, we're mm-hmm. like, we, we shouldn't stop. Like, you know, at that time it was on this course of like make a record for a year and then go tour it for a year and then make another, you know, it was like this two year mm-hmm. cycle. We just keep going. And like, and as, as we were trying to build that, um, we were like, yeah, but we want to have kids. And Corey wanted to have a first kid by the time she was 30. Cause we didn't want to be like old parents older parents you know we want to be sort of kind of young we're like uh, and so we start she started to get close to 30 and we're like we gotta have her for we gotta start thinking about our first kid and um we were actually on tour and we're like okay we should have this kid because then we're like planning it out like this will be yeah. at the you know we had maybe six or seven months left of of touring in that cycle so if she was pregnant during that time then we'd go home and then she'd have the last trimester off and then we could have the baby we'd write the record while the baby's little record it and then be right back on track so we we just kind of had a lot of like planning of us like how this should work you know in order to combat this fear of of it derailing what you know our career and in and a lot of times people were like, it was funny because even like our agents and stuff were like, you're having a baby. You can't do this. You can't be in a, like you shouldn't have a baby because things are going well and you don't want it to derail us. You know, like some of our agents and labels and stuff weren't, weren't helpful in that somewhere, but right. and we were just always like, no, nah, we're, we're doing it. And they're like, okay. You know? And so we just, we didn't stop, you know? And like yeah. they were back in, we figured out, you know, we were touring and, when it was just the two of us and a small crew would be like vans. And then, so when we had a baby, we're like, well, the baby is going to be like three months old and we're going to go back on this tour. And how do we make that work? So the baby's close by Corey's nursing, blah, blah, blah. So we, we figured out that we should rent an RV. So then we could like park that right outside the venue baby and in the nanny, which would be like my cousin or Corey's mom or somebody would be parked right outside the venue. There's a, like a bedroom in the back of the RV. So Corey could be there essentially all night, except the hour and a half we're on stage. So we, we just kind of planned this out where we were like, how can we make this work for us and the people that are on our crew and that sort of thing. And, and so it was just those little adjustments that we made to keep it going. And um, I mean, I remember one time Maggie, uh, we were about to go on stage at Austin city limits and Maggie had a really bad fever, you know, oh, and she, no. was, she was young. I don't remember how young, but she was a baby still, you know, and we're just like, well, do we need to, and I remember like the, thankfully the dressing room was like right next to the stage and not like, a, or at least like part, an in, an, uh, like an inside, at least a semi-comfortable dressing room was near yeah. the stage. So the nanny and, and the baby were like right there. And we're like, do we need to like take her to the hospital right now? Or can we even play this show? You know? And we're like, oh, we should probably just like maybe take her to the hospital. And then the nanny is like, she's fine. You got an out, like a 45 minute set. We'll just like do the set and then take her, you know, take her into to get yeah. chucked out. So we, but I, it was like those sort of decisions where we're like, can we, can, you know, what should we do here? Does the, does the baby take precedence over the the music? And s- sometimes it had to, you know? Yeah. And of um, course but, that happens at like Austin city limits and not like, you know, some small club where you could take yeah. whatever an hour and just figure it out or whatever. Right. You're feeling that pressure. 
Like yeah. I'm, I'm literally choosing between my career and my child right now. Yeah. And sometimes you, you had to make those decisions, you know? And I remember another thing that happened is, you know, for the most part, we didn't have to turn down like big things. Um, but there were some instances like we were in Australia and we actually left. Um, I don't know how old Maggie was, but she stayed with her grandmother for the week. And so we had this rule like we would never be gone from her for more than a week. And so we went to Australia and the tour was going well. And then they're like, hey, you guys should just stay. We can get you on like the big day out uh festivals or whatever like the big australian festivals you guys yep. should just stay another two weeks we'll get you on these festivals and our agents are like oh you got to do it it's huge it's good money it's like good visibility and we're just like sorry we got to go home and they're just like are you insane and we're like yeah we're going home you know <laughs> and so i remember that like that one you know from a business standpoint was not a fun decision to make but you know, Corey and I discussed it. We're like, we got to go home. Like, you know, the baby needs us there. She's, I don't know how old she was, but she was young, you know, so we went home. Yeah. So it must've been tough to kind of find that balance. Yeah. It's just like a case by case basis. You know, there's plenty of uh, uh, situations where we're like, uh, we're doing it, you know? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Maybe, the, maybe this is going to mean like the baby has to come on a flight to Spain, you know, for two, like a ridiculous trip just to go do, you know, primavera or whatever. And then we're going to come home or, or being on a, you know, an English tour for three weeks. And the baby's just like, what are we doing in these, you know, janky rock clubs in England, you know, for this week and like parked in the back of gas stations and stuff to sleep in the back of this RV. And we're just like, you know, like you had to make sacrifices, but uh, looking back on it, you know, it was, it was, every bit of worth it. And I think the kids would, would say, Oh, you're, you're fine. You know, I, I remember asking some, you know, like good friends of mine that were on the crew being like, are we messing these kids up? Like, can you see from this like perspective? And they're just like, no, you guys are fine. Like you're, you like are doting on your, on your kids, even while you're in the, in the midst of all this. So I was like, okay. But I would like constantly ask my friends, like on the crew, like my merch guys that I was like super close with, or my sound guys or tour managers like who we always brought friends. And I'd be like, is this crazy? Is this dumb to treat kids like this? And they're just like, what are you talking about, dude? This is probably the best thing for them because you're with them, you know? Yeah, what an amazing experience for them too. Like when they, you know, as they get older and have a chance to kind of look back on some of that. And some of that would be pretty well documented. Like I I remember around that time of uh, Rearrange Us, like that was kind of your your thing, or at least that's what the media, you know, kind of picked up on or whatever. Like you guys are really owning it. Like we're bringing our kids out on tour and that's our thing. And, and that like almost worked as like a marketing thing for you. I feel like I even remember for, for me, that would have been a number of years before I had kids. We had our first daughter in 2015, but I kind of like looking back on it now, I remember thinking like, yeah, that looks cool. Like, so, so, you know, maybe that's not going to be me touring with my kids one day, but, but you can still like, be cool. You can still <laughs> do fun things or things you care about and follow your dreams. And kids don't have to kind of necessarily ruin that, you know? Yeah. Well, that was always like the catch 22 of it. It was like, okay, it's cool. You guys, it's like punk rock, you know? Um, you know, what you guys do is like punk rock, but you're a family. Like you're, is it like domestic? Like that's not punk rock, you know? <laughs> and so it was always this like, are we punk? Or are we not punk? You know? And I was like, well, it's, pretty punk to just decide to bring kids on tour but it's also not punk to just like yeah want to be like a family and be like 
I'm a dad, you know, I'm a rad dad, you know, and, and, and like, and, and just own that aspect of it, you know? And, and, and I don't know. And I think what I ultimately came to the conclusion of was like, it's punk rock across the board just to be who you are and, yeah. and, and own who you are. And so I was like, and that's all we did, you know? And like, it became sort of this like media touch point just because it was unique ish at the time, you know, and that we didn't hide from it. You know, some people would be like, you know, some people are in relationships and bands and they don't want that to be a focus at all, or they, they deny it to, you know, but we were just like, yeah, this is who we are. And they're just like, well, what's that like being, you know, married and having kids in a band? And we're like, it's not like anything except our lives. It's just like what, what we would be doing if we're just happen to be touring while we're doing it, you know, it's just our life. So the two really aren't separate. It's not like a thing it's like to be, it's just the thing you know yeah i think like you know from a kind of fan perspective people always like to feel like they kind of know who they're listening to right or yeah. you know kind of you know th there's more of a connection than just i like your album they kind of feel like they're kind of part of your world and and that's something i think you guys have done well i know that's something you probably have to balance out like not kind of oversharing or whatever mm -hmm. and you want to think about that especially it's probably harder now too as we're in kind of the social media age right Mm -hmm. um, that's a bigger topic. Mm -hmm. Like what do you share about your kids and your family and all that kind of stuff? Um, yeah. but that was always, I, I think something that was really cool about what you guys did. Um, so how do you think being a dad has changed you? Uh, God, probably in so many ways. Um, I've been a dad for a while now. I'm, I'm how has it changed me? I mean, I would, I think it's probably made me uh, think about myself a lot less, you know, um, and think about like decisions that I would make maybe in the past and be like, eh, I don't want to do that or shouldn't do that because of what that could mean for my kids or my family. Mm -hmm. um, and I think just being less selfish, you know, too, is just like, I want to, rather than always sort of doing the things that I want to do, it's like, well, what do they want to do? You know, what, what would they prefer to do rather than like running around doing our crazy thing? And I think it probably stemmed from like, always bringing them on tour, like we're doing our thing, you know, and like, and, and there's a certain aspect of that that is like cool and shows them that you should be doing your, your thing, like no matter what, but you have to bring, uh, you have to bring your family, your, your, your people along so to speak um to the degree that they want to be brought along you know and i think that kind of carries over into the in you know my daily life too with the kids is like oh are, are you guys interested in you know doing this i'll take you with or if not then you know like like i'm really for example like i'm really into mountain biking and i'm always like trying to get my older two girls to like hey you want to go mountain biking you know you want to try this and they're just like nah and I'm like, I'm like, okay, I guess I won't go mountain biking right now, even though I really want to go mountain biking, you know, right. what do you want to do instead? So I, I think that's sort of an example of like, not always just doing like first the thing that you want to do, but like, yeah, and it, it's not that easy, right? Like, especially, I think in the beginning, like, as you have kids, you, your whole life leading up to that point, it is just about you. So that transition can be really hard for people. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's like, how do I, how do I adjust to this new life of where I have to kind of think about 
somebody else <laughs> before me um, and, and weigh that out. Um, That's a really hard question though, for me. I mean, are you, are you able to like <clears throat> see the way that you change for you personally? Yeah, that, that's a good question. I, I, I don't know. Like, I think it, in retrospect, you can kind of look at this, like maybe this shift of what was I like before to a number of years after, but you kind of don't really see it happening as it's happening. I don't think, and it doesn't come, it's not like a switch you flip, right? Like it's hard. Well, that like when you asked that question, I tried to, I think my mind immediately went back to like, well, what did I used to be like before? I Like I am now. And I'm like, I don't even know, you know, yeah. <laughs> who am I? What am I now? And how is that different from what I used to be? But I think to your point is like, yeah, you, the only way, I don't know, that'd be a good, that'd be a good thing to try to uh, understand is if you can see yourself changing, like on a more, on a smaller scale, yeah. you know, if you can see the little things, that would be a, a, a challenging. Well, and who, who, who has time to even like go th- like explore that or have insight into that because like you even talked about earlier like that first year with a baby is like a total whirlwind like I even look back on with both my kids like that first year after they're born is like you know no sleep just having to kind of adapt to every situation on the fly you can't plan anything ahead because maybe the baby's hungry maybe the baby's crying maybe they need to sleep or whatever and so you can't you almost just are like in survival mode I feel so it would be hard to try and have that insight. That'd be a good challenge though, because Mm -hmm. COVID sort of made me realize too, is like, you know, sometimes you're in these, you're in these like situations. You're like, well, this is what life's like right now, you know? And you're like, okay, so right now I'm working remotely, you know, and then the weekends are the times that we like do this, like, one kid's got like a dance uh, lesson or whatever, and you do that on the weekends. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, but now, and it just happens. And you're like, oh, I'm no longer on that project. So now my weeks are filled with, I have them pretty open. And then, and so like all of a sudden things have changed and you don't even realize like that era just ended. So it's like knowing where that stopping point is in a change, I think is, is it impossible? Maybe not. Maybe it's just, (laughs) more aware I don't know you know like I'm thinking about like oh you know would like journaling or something would that help I like what about in terms of your your songwriting is that did that change with with kids like did the content of your songs reflect any of that do you think I don't know like I I haven't thought about it uh, you know before (laughs) going into this interview but I'm wondering wow that's a really good point actually to this conversation is that records always delineated uh, a, a point in your life right and then you so you can look back now and I can be like oh I remember recording Team Boo and what I was like then and that's totally different than what we were like with the record after that bring it back and we had, had our first baby and I remember recording that one so it was like actually records are a good like signpost markers of like how you've changed and what what time was like during those periods yeah well like we were talking about my only offer, like that's a very, a lot of the content to that song. And I don't have the lyrics in front of me right now, but I kind of remember, you know, bought a home, we bartered, right. Like all, all that stuff, two kids, two car delight. That's about your family life. Like that, that at least that, you know, section of it. Right. And yeah, absolutely. That's kind of an interesting thing. 
So I think records are journals, like uh, like you said, if you journal, you can kind of see what you were like at that time, just by what what your thoughts were. Right. Oh, that's cool. I have to have to start thinking about that with other musicians and thinking, seeing if I can kind of figure out where they were <laughs> in their lives and how that relates to their their journey as a parent. Maybe to challenge musicians with that a little bit. Yeah, it is true. Like it's actually very easy to put myself like just think of an album and then just like put my self back in that place based on that album it's very easy to do that mm-hmm. but with some other things yeah it's just like a really good uh, signpost i think yeah um so what are the most rewarding parts about being a dad um just seeing them do things that are cool you know like seeing them achieve something or have success or or laugh you know, like a belly laugh, just like those little sort of moments and then being like, you know, things are all right. Like life's just, life's okay. You know? And then like seeing how quickly that can change too. I mean, talking about change again is like go, you know, hearing like my daughter, you know, gripe about some issue she's having with her friend and how it's just like life or death. Mm -hmm. And she's like so upset. And then like an hour later, she'll just like be cracking some joke, you know, about back about that. And I'll be like, Oh, it's, it's over. You know, that whole drama thing is over and it's fine. It's just moving on. And it, it wasn't a big a deal as it seemed like it, it seemed like life or death an hour ago. And now it's just like, I really, I really love to do like laugh and a, a big sort of when, when they make me laugh, like they'll tell like a witty joke or something, either one of them. And I'll just like, that's good. I'll be like, that, that's funny. You know, like I'll straight up say that's, that's a good one. That's funny. And I think, I think between that's one of my favorite parts of like being a dad. So is it, is it, is that just, is that like a marker of them becoming like an individual? Is that what you really like about it? Like, yeah. Is they just have this idea and then they see something funny in this, in this situation and it's like their own idea about what makes it funny. And then them like saying it back to me and, and thinking that I would think it's funny too. And then I actually do think it's funny. You know, it's just like this whole them, yeah, them having this thing, this idea about a situation and them being right about it, you know? Yeah. Humor is kind of an interesting one, right? I feel like you have to almost teach your kids like how to appreciate humor. I have two little kids. We've talked about that already, but my oldest who's just about five she's like starting to get it like understand jokes and stuff but my youngest it's so funny she loves to tell knock knock jokes and they don't make any sense right oh yeah um but it's so funny but once they figure it out and they kind of get what that humor is it is kind of a neat thing like oh man you put that together that's cool yeah once they grab yeah like the first thing is just like butt humor you know (laughs) and then you're like all right we always call it the age of butt like all right they're still on the age of butt you know but then once they get out of that and then like start putting ideas together about like what they see in the world and what they think's funny yeah they're that's yeah that's next level and then it just and then it just continues from there you know so we we you know we have talked a lot about kind of what your experience has been with your your kids on the road and how you guys have kind of managed that. Now that's changed over the last few years. It seems like you haven't probably been doing that as much, especially with your kids being a bit older. You talked about them being kind of rooted in, in their lives, right? It's a little harder to pull them away from their friends and school. And those things are a little bit more important. What, what have the last number of years looked like in terms of kind of managing that? And I know you guys maybe haven't been 
doing as much musically. You've been focusing on a, a kind of a new career as well. How have you kind of managed to balance that all? Yeah, there was like a, there was a couple of years of real transition because, you know, we toured relentlessly for a long time and it just became a big part of our identity is like we're touring musicians and that's mm -hmm. primarily how we like make money, you know, and that's, that's the only way we made money for a long time. Um, and so I, at first I think we, it sort of hit us hard. We were just like, Oh, you know, we could keep touring more and more and more, but that's like, I don't know. We wanted to get off of that train for a minute, you know, but at the same time, we didn't want to get off that train because it's like, that's, that was such a big part of our identity. So, uh, there was, you know, it was like a lot of discussions and like us just trying to figure out like what the next steps would be, you know? Um, and I think the hardest part was just like not being able to, while we were trying to figure out like other ways to like make some money is like not having the time to create and make music together, you know? Uh, whereas we used to do it, you know, six or seven days a week, hours, hours a day, um, you know, whittled down to a few days a week. And, and, um, that I think was the big, the hardest part for us is just not being able to create the, in the way that we had been creating together for a long time. Um, and, and so as, as things have developed, that's still sort of like, we're always trying to find more and more time to create together. Um, and there'll be like bouts of it, but it won't be like full on the way we had. So that's been the, the hardest transition. Um, but also it's in a way it's really sparked, um, the inspiration to want to do it even more you know because for a while because we were just on that train it became sort of like we got to do this next we got to do this next and you right. got to do better than the last time and you got to blah 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 you know maybe we should try to write it like this so that it sells more and you know all that kind of th those thoughts that just come along with like a growing successful business in art you know or music right. um but because we didn't rely on it so much is our our main financial um piece then we've just had that inspiration to just create together and just like get in just like get in the room and just like make music and whatever comes comes you know just like back to just like honest music rather than not thinking like well how will this fit on a record or how what will the label say about this you know right. that kind of thing um so i think that's been a really good thing you know and then now seeing what's happening with touring bands and that it's non-existent and it's going to be probably for the better part of two years in a way it seems like oh maybe that's you know maybe we got a, a little bit ahead of the curve in that and that's and it's worked out better for us in this situation is that we were like not not now being like oh i got nothing yeah it went from a hundred to zero whereas we sort of like tailored it down and slowly slowed it down over the course of a number of years and then um might be able to buy in some time to get it revved back up to where we want it to be, you know? Right. So it sounds like having that bit of a, maybe a break, obviously that transition was tough to get used to kind of that new, um, I guess that maybe it's a more domesticated <laughs> life or more, you know, typically domestic life um, versus what you were doing before, but they, they kind of say absence makes the heart grow fonder. Maybe I'm kind of hearing that that's sort of what's happening with, with regards to your music. Like you guys kind of have a renewed interest in, in that. Yeah. And when we do write songs together, we're really sort of rejuvenated and super excited. And we're like, Oh, we still, we still got it in us. You know what I mean? We still have that spark and we feel like we have good songs to write yet. I remember, you know, back when we were really in the cycle of just like, go, 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 
you know, some of our manager labels sometimes be like, you guys ever think about this, like taking like some time off and going away and like staying, getting out of people's, you know, just like disappearing and then coming back with this new rejuvenation thing. And we're just like, no, no, we want to keep going, you know? And I think now it's sort of been this like forced going away. Mm -hmm. And I think now it's, it's, it, the result is the same as it'll be like this new rejuvenation. And when we do come out with, you know, new, a new album, new music, it'll be this new era of us um, and sort of a reinvention of like where we are right now. Cool. So I think I'm, I'm hopeful and I'm really excited about like what, what music will make when we do make it full on. Yeah. So we're going to maybe come back to that um, in a little bit. I want to, I'm going to put you on the spot here. We do a a, kind of a feature called the rad dad, bad dad feature. And it's basically just an opportunity for you to share um, if if one comes to mind, sort of that blue ribbon uh, feel good dad moment, that rad dad moment, something that comes to your mind. Um, And then if you can, we call it the bad dad moment, but one of those times when you're just like, Oh, like, I can't believe I did that. Or, you know, whatever the face bomb kind of dad moment, Any, anything come to mind? <laughs> uh, the bad dad, uh, that one came to mind first. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, many of those I'm sure. Um, but one that I just always think about because it was like, okay, so we were, we were camping, right? So we were camping, we brought our bikes and Maggie was probably, I don't know how old she was, like 10 maybe or 11, little, young still, right? And like we unloaded her bike and um, off of the car, whatever, we packed her bikes and, and I start, and I jumped on it and I start riding around and she's like, give me my bike, give me my bike. And I was just like, and she like almost, and I was just like, hold on, I'm just like checking it out. And she was like, and she like started crying about it. And I was like, are you really crying? And she's like, yeah, I want my bike. And I was like, you're acting like a little, little child. And she goes, I am a child. And I was like, oh, that's right. You are a child. She's like crying. And I was like cruising around her bike. And I was like, just wait, you know? And she's like running behind me yeah. crying and, and, and basically being like, I am a child. And I was like, yeah, I'm being a dick right now. So yeah. here's your bike. <laughs> Yeah, that that's funny. I um like I I definitely find that even you know with my younger kids like I I think sometimes I kind of like step back and I'm like geez, like I'm expecting way too much out of them. Like I'm like why why didn't you do that or why didn't you think ahead or you know like they don't <laughs> they're, they're kids. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that's that's a good one. And it's funny like it obviously stuck with you that's 5 years ago or whatever. Yeah. And that moment I just stuck remember with you. thinking like she just kept saying like, get off my bike, get off my bike. And I was just like, I'm riding the bike, you know, I'm like, <laughs> like just let me ride the bike. And I was just like a kid in her bike, you know, like they, yeah. that's like a big deal. And so I was, just, and, and just, I guess the biggest point for me was her being like, I'm a child. Like yeah. you're saying quit acting like a child, but I am a child. I don't know how any other way to act. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. How about that? Uh, how about the rad dad moment? Anything come to mind? Oh, rad dad. I mean, I'm really bad at like tooting my own horn. Um, this is your opportunity to do it. You're on the rad dad show. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, okay. The other night, oh, this happened like a couple weeks ago. Um, be, right before Maggie got her license and, um, she was over at her friend's house. They're all 16, like hanging out. 
And apparently I went to pick her up and she had recently told me about this song, White Ferrari by Frank Ocean. Okay. Do you know this song? I, I don't know it, no. And she played it for me and I was just like, oh my God, immediately fell in love with the song. I was like, this is one of the most beautiful songs, so good. And, um, and I went and picked her up and I cued that song up because we had just gotten into it like two days later. And she gets in the car and I, I push play and start driving away. And she goes, oh, you're listening to White Ferrari, huh? And I was like, yeah, I queued it up. I had it ready. And she goes, you queued that up for me? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, I knew it. And I was like, what? And she goes, yeah, my friends and I were like having this discussion. And like one of her friends is like, I hate my dad. I could, you know, I've never once said I love, I love you to my dad, blah, blah, blah. And Maggie was like, and I told him I love my dad. I told him you were really nice to me. And she goes, wow. and this just, and she goes, and this just proves it you had this song queued up that I, that you knew I would like. And I was just like, Oh, right on. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, small gesture, but like obviously really meaningful to her. Right. And yeah. For her to kind of express that to you. That's really cool. Yeah. That one. I like that really hit me. And then the fact that she was just discussing that with her friends. Yeah. Yeah. I listened to the song. The song actually, is a key important uh, part to that entire story. Cause you listen to that song on top of, on top of the story. And it's just like, uh, huh. I'll, I'll go check it out. I've had, uh, you know, friends over the years telling me to check out Frank Ocean. I just have never really gotten around to it. So I, I will after this. Yeah. White Ferrari. I mean, it's on his, Ferrari. it's on orange or whatever that famous album is. Yeah. But it's, it's a great song. Cool. Um, so what's next for you? Jason, you, we, you would kind of have maybe hinted at some, <laughs> some new mates of state material, maybe at some point down the road. Um, yeah. Where are things at? What, what's, what can we expect from Jason Hamill in 2021? Oh man, there's so many, so many things that are sort of uh, bubbling, bubbling over, uh, bubbling under, I guess a little bit. Uh, number one. Yeah. We're going to make new, make a new mates of state record. Awesome. Um, Corey and I, um, Corey's working on some, a music project of like piano stuff. Um, we have a grand piano and, and, and I don't know if you know this, but you, there's huge playlists. A lot of people just like go to Spotify and like put in like piano pop songs or whatever. Yep. And it's all background piano music. Yep. But Corey's making, um, some albums with that, um, cool. to pop those in and I'm helping her record them. Um, I have done some acting things recently and I'm in, uh, uh, still working on, uh, some acting classes. So I'm always working on projects with that. Um, I'm working on, um, some film stuff, some friends who are writers, um, and I'm going to produce them. So there's cool. kind of and stuff. I got, I got this, I got a children's book in me. So, wow. Yeah. There's a, Where- there's a, lot, of, a lot of possible stuff. So where's the kids book in the, in the process still kind of in the formative uh, stages? Yeah, it's just, yeah. It's just all outlined, but um, I haven't written it yet, but I have it. I have it heavily outlined. Awesome. Well, that's exciting. Well, I, I, Jason, it's been really cool talking to you today and um, kind of getting to hear um, your perspective on parenthood. You have a unique one, um, you know, given your experience of having your kids on, on tour with you. Um, so that, that's been really cool to hear. Um, any words of wisdom for dads out there listening, you know, maybe, maybe their dads, maybe their, uh, dads to be. Yeah. Um, just spend time with your kids. That's, that's all they want. And, and the more time that you spend with them, the more you understand them. 
you know, and if you're not around them, if you're constantly being like, well, I got to do this, I got to do that. I mean, you don't even, you don't even need to sit around and like constantly think of things to say. You know, I I recently heard this thing too. It's like, you can just sit in silence with them. And sometimes that's the best thing, you know, it's just like in your car ride, you don't have to constantly be like, oh, it's awkward if I'm not, you know, trying to engage this conversation, just like let it happen naturally. And, um, but the more time that you spend with them, the more you know them, whether, and it doesn't matter what you're doing. You don't even have to do anything fancy. You're just with them and available to them. That's, that's really the only thing I got is be with them. Yeah, that's great advice. Well, thanks again for your time today, Jason. All right, that was Jason Hamill on the Rad Dads Show. Thanks so much to Jason for joining us. If you liked this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you drop us a review on iTunes. And if you're looking for more Rad Dads content, find us wherever you get your podcasts or give us a follow on social media. On Instagram, you can find us at at rad underscore dads underscore show and on Facebook at at Rad Dads Show. And now... You can also look us up on YouTube for some video interviews as well, including this one. Lastly, Rad Dads is first and foremost a community organization aimed at positive parenting. And you can check out what we do over at raddadsyeg.com. That's raddadsyeg.com. Thanks for tuning in. In the meantime and in between time, stay rad.